As a kid growing up in Chicago, I was a huge fan of B96's Nine Most Wanted Countdown. I don't remember if it was a fully requestable show, like these are the songs that fans call in about the most. You would think with a name like Nine Most Wanted that would be the case, but regardless, the show kept me in tune with all the hot tracks that I needed to know as a growing boy. I could learn about new artists and hear the jams that I loved. Remember that time when you couldn't just get any song you wanted on demand and had to wait until it came on the radio? Sometimes the Nine Most Wanted was my only exposure to a song for an entire day, or even longer if it quickly fell off the list. Pardon the quick teleportation here, but we're jumping to the summer of 1998. The night before my family is about to head to Alaska for a two-week vacation, I'm listening to the Nine Most Wanted. It's got a collection of songs I'd come to appreciate, and at the top spot, we've got I'll Never Break Your Heart by the Backstreet Boys. The family vacation happens, and it's great. Alaska is quite gorgeous, something I recognized even as a kid who wasn't quite 10 years old. I still remember multiple towns that mostly consisted of a restaurant and a gas station. Hey, it's a big state. You gotta fill it. Anyway, this isn't a vacation episode. It's a music one. And when we returned home, the first night back, I put on my headphones on my little Walkman radio and looked forward to hearing the songs I had missed for the past two weeks. I wasn't listening to radio in Alaska. I was out exploring with my family. Only tonight's show was full of new songs that I was totally unfamiliar with. And let me tell you, as a kid, I hated that. Looking at the Billboard Hot 100 for the summer of 98, I'm not entirely sure what these other songs were, because there are a lot of recognizable musicians and tunes on the list. Songs I enjoyed even as a kid. The Nine Most Wanted wasn't necessarily a reflection of the Billboard Hot 100, but I have a hard time believing they weren't playing songs like The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica, My Way by Usher, Too Close by Next, All My Life by Casey and Jojo, Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden, and Sex and Candy by Marcy's Playground. There's a lot of good songs from the summer of 1998. You remember Say It by Voices of Theory? I need to listen to that after this episode. That's a great slow jam. Whatever, we're getting carried away again. The point is, we were counting down from nine all the way to two, and somehow I barely recognized anything. Maybe there was a Leanne Rhymes song or something like that where I was like, I kind of know it, but mm, mm, not great, not great. I was getting sad. And then the computerized voice said, This is the nine most wanted, number one, 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 one. And I heard the familiar intro of I'll Never Break Your Heart. No, you won't, BSB. You'll just provide me comfort. And that's all a boy can ask for. When Cassie Petrie was a mere 12 years old, she created a newsletter for the Backstreet Boys that reached fans worldwide. And she's parlayed that fangirling into a highly successful career, playing a role in social media marketing for several major artists, including the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, and Camila Cabello. Maybe that last one not on the B96 Nine Most Wanted, at least when I was listening. Cassie is the founder and co-CEO of the marketing and music management firm CrowdSurf, and she's a Forbes 30 Under 30 and Billboard 30 Under 30 recipient. She's also a massive fan of sea turtles, which is just a lovely combination. We're chatting about how to make it as a musician with no connections, using TikTok to your advantage, and some of her most memorable social media campaigns. I'm Joey Held, this is Good People Cool Things, and here's my conversation with Cassie Petrie. To kick things off, can you give us your name 
and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on. Oh, man. So my name is Cassie Petrie. I own or co-own a company called CrowdSurf, and we are a company that helps artists. We started traditionally as a digital marketing firm that does literally every kind of digital marketing you can think of. And recently, we've also started managing artists as well. Lovely. So we'll get into CrowdSurf because there's there's a lot to talk about there. But I've learned that when you were 12, you started a Backstreet Boys newsletter and perhaps created the concept of fangirling. Is this is this true for, for starters? I mean, I listen, <laughs> I was a very good fangirl. Um, and I think I kind of was a part of the movement that sort of took what being a fangirl is onto the internet. But I think it's existed since music's existed. This artists need fans in order to feel good about themselves is what I've realized in most situations. I'm sure Mozart had fangirls. Uh, Mozart was a pop star. I would have loved to have seen what that looked like. I, I, I think it would be fun to have been a part of that fandom, like the Mozart fandom. Like how cool would that have been? I think it's been around forever. Um, but I think I, my company, me and my business partner, Jade, both came from fangirl backgrounds. And I think something that we were a big part of is sort of making that background more appealing in the music industry in terms of people that you hire and that being viewed as a positive trait versus a negative trait. I like it. I actually visited Mozart's uh, childhood home earlier this year. I was in, uh, in Austria and it was, it was very nice. And there's a, this isn't actually at his house, but there's a, a statue in Vienna that's got like a music note bed of flowers in front of it. And I was just like, it's so charming. It's so That's lovely. Awesome. But I agree. I think that I think that would have been super cool to be part of that fandom there. But I need to ask before we get into things, what is your top Backstreet Boys song? Ooh, I would say, I think one of my favorite Backstreet Boys songs is Siberia. Okay. Um, from Never Gone. It's a Max Martin pen track. It's beautiful. It's emotional. Amazing ballad. I know the guys really like it too. Just it, all around, absolutely emotional, sad, incredible boy band song. I like it. I like it. I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but I probably not Siberia. So, <laughs> <laughs> so take us back to, I guess this would be like preteen days when you started this newsletter. Like, wh- how did this all come to be and how did you help it grow? So, I think a lot of times, you know, what people are doing to express their fandom depends on a lot of trends outside of music and trends going on in the world. And something that was happening in the late 90s and just in mid 90s, in mid 90s, we started to see more computers being more people's houses. And then at the end of the 90s, we saw in the United States, AOL come in and make it something that was accessible to a large group of people to use. So I was one of the houses that had AOL. We had our dial up. You had, you know, got in chat rooms and got harassed and all, and all the good things. But I think that that was just something that everyone was interested in anyway, and figuring out how to use that tool and that trend to express my fandom and meet other people that had a similar interest. It just sort of happened organically. Lovely. And now we've seen, I mean, I don't know how many social platforms there are in 
in life uh, that we've gone through at this point. But you've been around for for basically all of them with with CrowdSurf for more than a decade and a half. So, I mean, obviously, we were talking beforehand about Soul Decision and yes. the the early the early to mid two thousands. There, the music industry has changed since since their heyday. So, let's pretend like I'm an artist that's just starting right now, and I have no connections. I have no no inroads anywhere. How do I make it? How do I make it in the music industry today? I know that's a loaded question, but why not? (laughs) Well, I think the thing you have to have in order to make it in the music industry is you have to know your why you're doing this. And I actually like to tell people, don't think about it being the, you know, 2023. Don't think about all these tools you have to market yourself that you have control of. Pretend like it's the 70s. What are your goals as an artist? Why are you doing this? Like, why do you want to write music and share it? Why do you not want to just write it and not share it? Like, why do you want to perform it for people? Why do you want to share it with people? You have to know why you're doing that and what your goals are. And I think your goal, and I think your intentions have to be good. Like some people could have really egotistical goals with that. It could be all about, wanting attention and fame. And sometimes that's a good enough motivator to get you to a certain point, but I don't know if that withstands the test of time in a lot of situations. So you have to know your why first. And when you know your why, it makes it a lot easier to figure out how whatever tools that currently exist in the marketplace help you achieve your why. It makes it so much clearer, but when you don't know your why, it makes it really hard to figure out how I use TikTok, what songs I should release, how often I should release music. How do I get this done with a certain amount of money? But when you know that you're supposed to do it and you know why you want to do it and it's a good reason why you want to do it, it, it kind of makes the rest of it fall into place. You mentioned TikTok, which has become, it, it seems like, not. I mean, it's not replacing like the the classic way of discovering artists but there have been a lot of artists discovered on tiktok uh there's i feel like every week someone's sending me some new trending song or sound or something like that so it's become a major force in the music industry how have you seen it kind of evolve i feel like at least for me i first kind of saw tiktok like right before covid started that's like when i was was hearing about it for the first time. Maybe I was behind the curve. I don't know. I usually am with social platforms, but I what like how has that you know evolved over the past couple of years? And what should musicians be doing on there so that they're not lost in the sea of millions of other people? So when it comes to TikTok, I like to dumb it down for people because you can kind of get lost in the sauce if you think about the trends, everything that's happening, what other people are doing. That can you know, that can be really stressful and that puts a lot of pressure on yourself. I like to take a step back from it and just tell people TikTok is a platform where you upload videos in a vertical shape. What is a video extension of your artistry or of your relationship with your fans? Like what is, what is a video version of that? And just use that platform to upload that content it really takes a lot of the pressure out of it because I think about, you know, when music videos probably came onto the scene and I'm sure a lot of artists were really resistant to the concept of music videos. They are, they are probably like, why, why do I have to make a video now? This is about sound. This is about audio. Why do I have to do this? 
I'm sure a lot of people are really resistant to music videos the same way a lot of artists are resistant to social media and TikTok for certain reasons. But TikTok and other social media platforms are a big way of how people consume media now. The time that people used to spend listening to vinyls and radio and watching TV, a lot of that time is now on your phone. And I just like to kind of put that perspective into people. It's not that it, it, you have to go where people are and people are on their phones and they still have leisure time where they're consuming things that entertain them. It's just not on a TV screen all the time or it's not on a radio. They're on their phones now and we have to figure out how your art is integrated into the hardware that people are using to entertain themselves. That's a really good analogy with the music videos and the the creation of that. I I don't know if this is even a question, but uh, I just ended up in a 90s music video rabbit hole. I, I guess that was la- last night. Yeah, just a, a great time, a great time. And some of them I was just like, you can tell who's really into it and who... <laughs> Like it, it, you know, maybe it was a little less like, oh, okay, I guess I'm, I'm, I don't need to like over the top do it. But I was cracking up at, I, I hope this isn't too deep a pull for people, but I alone by live, which I'm not going to pretend I'm a live fan. I, you know, I can name a couple of their songs, but I guess for whatever reason, the, the treatment for that video was we're going to have the singer up front, obviously, like that. Then we're going to have the guitarist and bassist with their instruments, and they're going to be standing in front of this sort of like desert area. But the drummer didn't have his drum kit. So he's just like angrily sort of like walking up to the camera and like sort of rage, like almost like skanking, like like <laughs> the, uh, the old ska dance, just like... And I love, I love the idea of that, of like, hey, you know, we were going to have drums, but like they got left on the bus and like they took a wrong turn somewhere so anything i would love to know why i would love to know why they weren't there now like did somebody not want them there did somebody not do their job like did he want to look like that on camera like i because it's it's funny sometimes the real reason why that stuff happens because sometimes it could be something that was really thought out or sometimes it could be somebody made an error and i would just love to know which one it is Yes, I I will do some digging. We, we will find this out. Find out. We we'll reach know. out to live 30 years later. <laughs> hey, <laughs> why did this happen? <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Speaking of fun little moments like that, you've worked on a lot of social media campaigns over yes. the years. Do you have one that sticks out as particularly memorable or unusual? Um, It's tough because I, I feel like there's this Jimmy Eat World song that I love called um, Big Casino. And there's a line that says, you know, play your little part in something big. And I, I feel like that's me. Like, I, I don't know if there's like a campaign where I'm like, I was a full driver in it, but I feel like I played my little part in a lot of big things. Like I got to be a part of Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears launching their Las Vegas residencies. Um, we ran a really awesome campaign with Britney where she won a fan voted awards all well, all the time. But I remember like the best in Las Vegas award. And I remember doing, you know, fan voted campaigns with a group called fifth harmony where they've won awards. So, uh, you know, those are, but that wasn't, I can't take credit for that. We were a little part of it, but their, their fans were the big part of it. The artists were the big part of it. They wouldn't have the fans if there wasn't a great music team behind them. So I just, you know, I think we help carry a, a portion of the weight, but again, I always view it as, 
we're playing our little part in something big. Yeah, I think that's a, a cool element of it too, of like the fans actually being fans. I feel like so often I'll go on social media and people are just like crapping on each other. And I'm yeah. like, what are we doing? Like, that's not, that's not what these platforms are designed for. Like, let's, let's embrace the musicians that we like, which I think it's weird. is super cool. Well, yeah. I just, I just can never imagine publicly trashing artists, fans of the artist or the people that they work with. Like when I was the same age as I see some people do that now, and I guess things have changed a lot, but I just, I just knew that there are people probably watching. And if I ever wanted to like, even if I was pissed about something, one, I don't have enough context to like have a super strong opinion about certain situations because I think I've always had the perspective that there's a lot I don't see. There's another side to the story. And as much as like a single release or a image of the single cover, whatever might piss me off or I might think it's a bad marketing move. I don't know the whole story. So I can't like be that pissed off about it. But I see some people get really upset about this stuff. And I just, as a younger, you know, person, I would always think, you know, I want to work in this industry one day. I, I can't, I can't be making enemies as like a 15 year old. <laughs> um, but, 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 and the thing is, I look at this stuff now and I think I'm a little more forgiving because I've been on the other side of the story, but I do see a lot of team members. They, they keep track of these people and what they say. And I've seen people not win contests that I like put them up as suggested winners for because somebody remembered what they said one time. So it's, or, or they get on the list where they're like not allowed to meet certain artists because of the way they behave online. So I, I just, I, I find it wild that somebody says they're a supporter, but then they do all this stuff to like distance themselves from this artist that they love so much. Yeah. It, it is very odd to see. And I, I, I don't want to lump just like Twitter alone. I feel like I see this on Reddit a lot too, where it's like, oh, yeah. I, like, you know, there's subreddits for basically every band that's out there. And, and I think like, there's, there's totally like reasonable criticisms you can have or just say like, Oh, you know, this wasn't my favorite album or whatever. But then yeah. there's some people there who I'm like, I feel like every post I see from you is negative. Like, why are you taking the time to, to join this, yeah. uh, this community just to, just to rack on yeah. someone? And like, listen, I'm not saying that people should never have criticism, but I think be there, you know, be constructive with it. The way you would be with a person. If you don't agree with a, you know, creative direction or a single choice or a, a producer choice or a set list choice or whatever, that's fine to express that. Just don't be nasty about it. That, and don't be nasty all the time. Otherwise, like, I don't think you're a fan. If you don't like anything, then are you really a fan of this artist or group to begin with? It's bizarre. Yeah, you're like a fan of rage. Yes. And not, not against the machine. Just, yes. <laughs> just general rage. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we're the hosts of Bandcamp, a comedy podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. This season, we're reading Fahrenheit 451, one chapter at a time, out loud, so you don't have to. If you enjoy funny, smart talk, or kind of smart talk anyway, about banned books and the stupid reason some people want to ban them, as well as listening to us read a classic book, search for Bandcamp on your favorite podcast player, and that's banned with two N's. So you've gotten to work on a lot of wonderful campaigns, but are there any either campaigns or like 
I don't know. I don't even know if if this is as common nowadays, but like album promotions, how they used to be like these massive events somehow. Like my one of my personal favorites is Josh Freeze, who's drummed on every band's at least one song from every musician ever. It seems like he's got a lot of work. He had a solo album where he did sort of like a Kickstarter campaign, but all of the different perks were extreme events i'm sure i've talked about this on this podcast before because i love it so much but like one of them was like he'd go with you to disneyland and you'd have a day of fun and then he'd sell you his car at the end if you you know if you donated like twenty thousand dollars to the campaign and the idea was like all these things are super outrageous like no one's probably going to donate a hundred thousand dollars and then he'll be their personal cabana boy but like those different perks were getting him the attention for the album which i thought was like a super creative way to tackle things especially for like a drummer releasing a solo album like that's usually not something that's that's super uh, common even or like super popular yeah. out there so are there any things like that where you're like ah i wish i had thought of that or like i wish i got to work on that i mean I, what i love that i love i love like doing really weird stuff like I, I like and i like something like that because a lot of times people don't think that something like that would fall into digital marketing but it does like creating the story offline is how you create the story online. So I, I think that that's really, really awesome. Um, you know, one of my favorite things that I've worked on that was sort of an in-person campaign story is I, several years ago, the Backstreet Boys were releasing a new album and I wanted to set up an event where we basically told fans that they were participating in a, like a, case study on like they're gonna help us pick like the single cover or something and we like set them all up and we had them you know come and you know we made it realistic like we had them fill out like papers like in person and like set them all down and you know collected the papers and that sort of the thing and then we had the guys come in and surprise them um that was really awesome because you know i think some people maybe thought something was happening but they like surprised them and they also like let them listen to the new record which i thought was really cool but I love, I love element of surprise in general. And just, I like doing things that make sense, but aren't expected. I love that with like music collaborators. I like that with release rollouts. I like that with music videos. It's like, this makes sense for this artist, but I didn't expect it. Like, I like a little bit of element surprise, but not element of surprise, but not to the point of it being thick. That's yeah. always one of my favorite things. One of my favorites is the Nelly and Tim McGraw. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love Nelly. He's the best. Which I still, I, I, I've been told that I was wrong on this, but I still believe. I remember in college, we took a evolution of hip hop class or something like, something along those lines of like how hip hop, you know, has, I mean, this was in 2006, so it's evolved even more. Um, but I, we, we were doing a, like a test or in, in class quiz or something. And it was like name, three different duets between rock stars and rappers and it was like a partner quiz i mean my partner put tim mcgraw and nelly as one of them and then she was like tim mcgraw's not rock and we were like he plays guitar that's no, but he, that but, counts like come on but he is a rock <laughs> like i don't think a rock star necessarily means rock music like i think pop stars are rock stars i think i think country stars are rock stars rock star is like it's a certain charisma it's not necessarily a genre Yes. 
Cassie, I wish you were my professor. I would have passed that quiz. I think I, we still passed it, but <laughs> I I gotten a lot of disagreements with professors in college um, about Excellent. about things that I believe in when it comes to the music <laughs> business. Maybe once I hit the two decade anniversary of that milestone, I'll finally let it go. But until then, every time I hear the song, I was just like, oh, that quiz. But then I just <laughs> sing along to it. So it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Is there a social platform that's no longer with us that you really miss? I miss MySpace. I, I loved MySpace because it really prioritized and integrated music. They're really supportive of artists at all levels. I loved how they incorporated music onto your profile. I love the tools they gave to artists. I love the music player. I remember listening to Paparazzi by Lady Gaga on MySpace. It was just, it was great. I it, I really just love how much they loved and supported music. And I miss that aspect of it. I agree. I was very late to the MySpace train as well. I think I finally signed up for it once people were already moving on to Facebook. <laughs> So I maybe got like six months out of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I loved the incorporation of music. I Occasionally my eardrums did not if I had headphones in and someone's yeah. <laughs> autoplay was very loud. But there are at least, I'd say at least like six to eight songs on my old iPod that I had that were like on a page where they were like, hey, feel free to download this. And I've, from like popular artists that I've never seen or heard otherwise. And I was just like... I, like, I miss that sort of, like, element of discovery to it, where it's like, hey, this artist I like has these other songs that they're almost like demos that they, like, dropped on their MySpace page. Yeah. And can't, I've like, I've tried to find, I'm like, if that iPod ever craps out, it's game over. I might have it on a hard drive somewhere. But other than that, I'm like, those, those songs could be lost forever. It's so sad. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. MySpace. And Vine, too. I miss Vine, but for different reasons. <laughs> So one of the other questions I always like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And we've been talking a ton about music and social media. So I think it's a very fitting transition here of why do you love sea turtles? Sea turtles are awesome. Um, I've liked turtles in general my whole life, both like the sea turtles and then the land tortoises. My One of my first loves in life was the Ninja Turtles as a child. Then I've had different pet turtles over the years and... Then in recent years, I've been going to Hawaii a lot to swim with sea turtles. And I just, they're, I feel like their souls are just so gentle. They're so kind and they just see, always seem at peace. And so therefore, when I'm around them, I feel a little more peace. I just think they're the most perfect little animal and I love them. Have you ever had a, a tortoise as a pet? Um, When I was younger, you, yeah, but we, we, I think they more kind of like, lived in our yard and I adopted them because I, I I felt bad keeping the tortoise like in the box for too long. Yeah. And then when I was in high school, I had a, like a swimming turtle, not a sea turtle, but like a, you know, swimming like water turtle, like a red-eared slider. And um, when I went to, uh, when I moved to, I basically moved to New York. And when I moved back from New York, my turtle drove in the car with me to uh to and from new york city from nashville i uh, took it home and my grandma had it for a while and then we eventually uh, gave it to our friend who has a, a koi pond so it's still there living its best life because they live turtles live a really long time 
Um, so just yes. prepare for that. If you're ever going to have one as a pet, they will outlive you more than likely. So you gotta, you gotta be ready for that. Yes. One of my colleagues got one. I, th- I want to say like two or three years ago, every video she posts, I, I love it. It's just, <laughs> so yeah, just living, living their best life. And uh, I, I, I think this was in China. I was studying abroad in China. We're going to say yes. That's where it was. And we were at some place that had like a little pond and there were some turtles in there. And I just remember spending like 20 minutes watching this turtle try to climb up the side of a rock and get to the top of it. And he got right to the top and then slid all the way back down. It's just like, it's the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. But, but it went back up again, right? Yes, yes. Because, so here's something else that I like about turtles. I, and I, I always think about this when I look at sea turtles and when they're like coming on and off the beach. I feel like once they've decided they're going to do something, there is no turning back. Like even, <laughs> like let's say it's on the sand and it turns around and it decides it's going to go back in the water. And it has to lift its really heavy body and it doesn't really have you know, a lot of upper body strength because the arms are little. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's a it's a journey to get on and off the sand as a large sea turtle. And, but and, you know, the waves could all of a sudden get massive and it does not matter. It is going back in the water if it's decided that. And I, and I respect that determination. I like that too. <laughs> Have you seen the, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie? No, I need to. I've been traveling in Europe and I, I don't, when I'm in a country that, English isn't the first language. I don't like to see movies there. Yeah, that's probably that's probably a good call. I probably missed some nuance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, a lot of times they're in English but have the subtitles, but the subtitles in the other language can be distracting. I don't know. It's just not the movie experience for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Maybe you can see it in 40X. Yes. I just learned that that was a thing like two months ago. <laughs> yes, I, was, I haven't seen a movie yet in 40X, but I have been reading about it there's a lot of movies i need to go see actually so maybe i'll try to do that yeah it's a good good summer for movies i also have not seen a 40x movie but my friend saw the latest spider-man in 40x and he was not a fan of the experience he's like i need to go see it in regular again because interesting there's just too much going on i think the guy next to him was like spilling food and drink on him a little bit too so it was just kind <laughs> of a whole just a whole whole mess love it <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, before you see all these movies, you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And because you're such a boy band fan, what are three underrated boy band songs that we all should go listen to after this episode? Oh, man. Well, I'm going to start with a band that I think nobody would think I'm going to start with because I'm such a big Backstreet Boys fan, but I'm actually going to, I'm going to pick an NSYNC track. And I think... I like Tell Me by NSYNC from the Celebrity okay. album. I think that is a good, proper, like, boy band dance track. And kind of in the NSYNC vein, I'm going to move over to actually a Backstreet Boys song that they kind of sounds like an NSYNC song, but I've always loved this song. Um, it's a song called Not For Me off the Black and Blue album. I think it's absolutely awesome. And I'm a very, very big fan of it. And then the third boy band I'm going to talk about is a UK boy band. They're called Busted. I'm going to go see them in concert properly for the first time in September. They have Hanson opening for them. But um, uh, I'm trying to think of what my favorite Busted song is. I think I'm going to pick, I think everyone knows that's what I go to school for because of Jonas Brothers. I love that song by Busted. But I think in terms of underrated, especially in the United States, 
I'm going to go with 3AM by Busted. I love them. And they're just underrated in general outside of the UK. They're incredible. I'm a huge fan. Love it. I don't think I've heard that song, so I've got some homework to do. Yeah. Busted, a, a present for everyone. Great, great album. Um, yeah. They're kind of like, the lyrics are kind of ridiculous, but I love it. <laughs> I think that adds to the charm, though. I it like does. That. It kind of like boy band sonically but takes some elements of like warp tour era oh, in okay. terms of like a little bit of like lyrically and a little bit in sonically too like you hear it in the guitar and some song structure and that sort of thing but i appreciate them i think that if they would have come out when the internet was more social media focused they would have probably had more crossover in other territories i uh somewhat recently watched uh together the movie if you oh recall. so good <laughs> but yeah and i was like this still holds up it's it's, still... it's it's so well done and like i think i i wonder if the executives making it were like thought they were gonna piss off boy band fans or that they were gonna love it but they all mostly ended up loving it because yeah. it's like yeah we're in on the joke with you and we actually like this music and you casted people in the archetypes well so we like them <laughs> like i don't know it, it's great i love that movie yeah still one of my favorite I would just say life moments in general. I, Alex um, Solowitz, who plays uh, Mickey Park, yeah, he, I, I briefly hosted karaoke when I lived in LA, and he came to the bar one time, and I was, and he's got such a recognizable face that I was just like, I wonder if he'd be pissed if I played a together song in between. <laughs> Uh, in between songs when I was like waiting for the next singer to come up. And I'm like, you know what? When's this going to happen again? Let's go for it. Why not? And he I, he came up. He was like, where did you find that? So, like, how do you have that? Like, even I don't have a copy of that album. And I was like, you got to get one. It's so good. And he's like, oh, I know. So he loved it, which was great. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, we know um, um, Evan. Like, oh, yeah. we, we actually... Me and my business partner, Jade, used to host a boy band podcast, and he joined us for one of the episodes, and he's lovely. Wonderful. Well, Cassie, this has been fantastic. I've got homework after this, but it's enjoyable homework of listening to new music that I'm going to like, which awesome. I'm a fan of on that. If people want to learn more about you, more about Crowdsurf, where can they find you? I'm mostly on Instagram and LinkedIn. That's where I'm checking messages the most. And I would say I'm more active, like on dms versus main feed i actually spend most of my time socializing there so uh if you want to talk to me uh, cassie petrie c-a-s-s-i-e-p-e-t-r-e-y on linkedin or instagram is the best way to find me awesome we'll have the links in the show notes too make it super easy for everyone cassie this was fantastic thanks so much for taking time to chat thank you for having me i appreciate it and of course we've got to end with a corny joke as we always do, you know, my, my dog, she's real tiny, and she ate an entire bag of Scrabble tiles, so I had to take her to the vet. No word yet. Oh, man. Get after it today, people. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.